Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Today, we are excited. This is our final Family Matters uh, Volume 3 message, and I'm really excited for this one today. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this one because it's something that gets us all. Uh, And then next week, we have Five for Five. Everybody say Five for Five. And we've got five different preachers preaching five minutes, and it's always one of my favorite Sundays uh, of the year. And so get ready next week for five for five. I know we got Thomas preaching over here, and we got a whole bunch of them. So it's going to be great. You're going to get a lot out of it. This morning, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to read a portion of Scripture together, and then we're going to jump in. But 1 Peter chapter 5, I want to start reading in verse 1. I'm going to read from the Amplified, so it is a little wordy, but we'll have it up here on the screen, but there's some extra things I, I want to get out for us. But I want to I preach a message today with the concept of your loved ones need you, not your problems. Your loved ones need you, not your problems. And I know we all want to show up for the people that mean so much in our lives, but how many of you know when we have a problem, that comes with us, right? And so our loved ones need us, not our problems. I have never felt this more in my entire life than after having kids, realizing my kids need me. They don't need me and my stress, and they don't need me and my anxiety, right? And if you're a dad in here, man, that's tough, right? I mean, us guys, you know, and I know we all do this, but man, it's easy for me to, you know, try to play football with my son, but be thinking about all the stressors I have in my mind, right? And so I've, I've come to realize my loved ones need me, not my problems, and I want to help us this morning with our problems so we can be there for the people we love. That's how we're going to close out this series. Let's start reading. This is the Apostle Peter talking to a young church going through it. Therefore, I strongly urge the elders among you, pastors, spiritual leaders of the church, as fellow elder and an eyewitness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd and guide and protect the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, not motivated by shameful gain, but with wholehearted enthusiasm, not lording it over those assigned to your care. Do not be arrogant or overbearing, but be examples of Christian living to the flock. Set a pattern of integrity for your congregation. You know, why do we do spiritual leadership a certain way we set right? An example. We want, why do we do church a certain way? We want to set an example for the world. Uh, Why do you do leadership a certain way? Well, we set an example for the church, right? And why is the church called and set apart? Because we set an example for the world, right? This is God's design. And when the chief shepherd Christ appears, you'll receive the conqueror's unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you younger men of lesser rank and experience, be subject to your elders, seek their counsel, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Tie on the servant's apron, for God is opposed to the proud, the disdainful, presumptuous, and he defeats them. Wow. But he gives grace to the humble. You want more help from God? Choose a humble position. You know, just like you and I all got dressed today and we put our clothes on. The Bible says every day as we get up, every week as we show up, clothe yourselves 
with humility and this compassion and this kindness and this servant's heart toward each other. Put it on and, and wear it, right? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that he might exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time. If you're in here and you're in the trenches and you're grinding and you're unseen, can I encourage you today, stay steady, stay faithful, stay obedient. God exalts and he exalts at the right time. Sometimes God will deliver you right away and sometimes he will let you go through a season of grinding and being in the trenches and being forgotten and and being left alone and being passed by. I always think the story of Joseph in the Bible, for years God let him sit at Potiphar's house and then he had him sit some more years in prison. If I were Joseph, I don't know about you, but I would have considered a different religion. I would have been like, this God is not listening to my prayers. He's forgotten me. He's left me alone. I've got all these problems. I've been wronged and here I am. Does anybody even know that I exist? God, nobody's liking my posts anymore. I've lost followers. You know, whatever it is, you know, I'm in a season of I'm un seen. Apostle Peter reminds us God will elevate us at the appropriate time. Verse 7, this is what I want to hone in on today. Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, worries, concerns once and for all on him. Why? Because he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. The enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack, rooted, established, immovable, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. What a powerful thought. The apostle Peter's like, I know you're hurting I know you have a problem. I know you're suffering, but guess what? You're not the only one. When I used to play basketball and the coach would make us do drills and we would run and then we'd lift and then we'd shoot and then we'd do more drills and I felt like throwing up. The only thing that I held on to was like, you know what? My teammates are suffering too. Come on, there's something about other people suffering too. You realize it's not just me. I'm not the only one with a problem. I'm not the only one with a confused mind. I'm not the only one with a broken heart. I'm not the only one that's ever had something bad happen to them. Other people know and understand what it means to hurt. And he's telling these young believers, he's like, guys, you're not the only ones with a problem. I know you're hurting and I know you're suffering, but it's not just you. It's your brothers and sisters, right? At this time, the early church had a problem, and that problem was Rome. Rome did not like them. They're actively persecuting Christians, and it was terrible. It would have been terrifying to be a believer in early Rome. And he's writing to them, and he's like, I know you're suffering. I know you're hurting. I know you're facing a problem, but you're not alone in this. Your brothers and sisters are are facing the same thing. I love this verse 10. After you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who imparts his blessing and favor who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ with himself, complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. I love that. To him be dominion, power, authority, sovereignty forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and be like, that was a good scripture.
Come on, look at your other neighbor and be like, I hope you took some notes, bro. I'm going to bring a tank out today. And this is a scuba tank. And I've been diving for about 10 years, and I've really come to kind of fall in love with it and enjoy it. But you can breathe underwater because you take air with you. And so you've got these different attachments, and one goes to your BC, which is kind of like this chest device that you wear and puts a little air in there and makes you buoyant and float up and down. And you've got, you know, your digital stuff, so you know how much air you have left. How many know that's important when you're 100 feet underwater? You want to make sure you can get back to the top. And so you've got your, your dials and your compass on that one. And then you've got, you know, a couple regulators. You've got one for you that's your primary. You've got a secondary in case the primary fails and you don't want to be in trouble or in case your dive partner, maybe their primary fails or they run out of air. And then you can give them the secondary so that you're both, you're both safe and you're okay. Now, what's amazing about this air is this air is under a ton of pressure. In fact, when they fill a tank of air, it's about 3,000 PSI which is pounds per square inch. And this air is under a phenomenal amount of pressure. And if this air left the tank and went right into my lungs, how many of you know that would be a bad day for my lungs? I would not survive that. And so that's why you need a thing called a regulator that lets air out and slows it down so that you can, you can breathe it in. But how many of you know a problem and a stress and an anxiety, a worry, is like carrying around a tank full of pressurized air. Not only is the burden heavy, right, and you feel it, and it's weighty on you, it messes with you, but anytime you're around a loved one, come on, anytime you're in marriage, anytime you have a kid, anytime you've got a close relative, and they push a button, they get <laughs> pressure. This is what this looks like in my life little more frequently than I'd like it to be. Sometimes I'm just under worry. I'm under stress. I'm under some anxiety. Between my wife and I, my wife is the faith person and I'm the thinking, processing, wisdom person. God will do it. I don't know, but what about this? You know, it's just like pressure, right? I'm a thinker. One particular morning, this is about a month or so ago, what am I feeling? I'm under pressure. I'm carrying my pressurized tank around and we're driving in a car. Most of our arguments happen in a car. This is a true story. I don't know if it's just that we're finally away from kids and you know whatever, but it's like most of our arguments happen in a car, and it's typically because she starts backseat driving, and that definitely happened in this case as well. And so she brings up an issue, and she doesn't realize I'm carrying pressurized feelings. Isn't this what stress does and anxiety does? It, it pressurizes us. And I'm not just normal me, I'm pressurized me. And so she brings up an issue, and I'm like, I feel it, right? And then we talk about another issue, and I feel it again, right? And then, and then we're on Pines Boulevard, and she backseat drives. Why did you take Pines? You know? I'm like, that's it, that's it, you know? And then so now I just, I start. And after a few minutes, she's like, I'm not talking anymore. And I'm like, why not? You know, now you made me mad. And she's like, because you're not yourself. You're under pressure. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. I feel pressure. It's not normal me. It's pressurized me. Anybody relate so far to this one? 
You're not you when you're under pressure. There was a Snickers commercial that came out years ago, and it was like, you're not you when you're hungry, right? It had this little monster walking around, and then they ate a Snickers, and they were better. And it's like, you and I are not ourselves when we're carrying the problem, when we're living in the burden, when we're under the stress, when we're full of anxiety, when we're pressed like pressed air, we're under pressure, And when a loved one gets around us, when our spouse gets around us, when our kids pull on us, we're like, and we know it's not us, but we're under pressure. I want to help you this morning and talk about this. Jesus is the only relationship in life where he invites you to give him your problems. There's a funny quote from a football coach, and he said, don't tell people your problems. Half of them don't care, and the other half are glad you have them. That's a little savage. I, I think people are more empathetic than that. You know, but, but there is something. If I sit you down and tell you my problems for two hours, you're not going to want to hang out with me next time. Right? For someone to listen to me for an hour about my problems, I have to pay them. That's called therapy, and get it if you need it. It's okay. But we as human beings, we're carrying enough of our own pressure. I don't want five more tanks, do I? Come on, this is just normal humanity. This is okay. And I'm not saying we're not going to be there for our friends and loved ones. Of course, we need to do that, carry each other's burdens. But Jesus invites you and I to lay our burdens on him. He's saying, give me the yoke, give me the burden, give me the problem. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Give it to him. The only other time you see the word cast in the Greek there is in Luke 19, where they cast and throw their coats at the foot of Jesus as he's walking in on Palm Sunday. It's an action verb. They're throwing, they're chucking. It's a verb. If my wife says, take the trash out, how many of you know I can't sit on the couch and watch Netflix and the trash gets taken out? I have to get up, tie the bags, walk it out the door, throw it in the bin, and I fulfilled the verb. Jesus is saying, I want you to do an action. I want you to throw your problems on me, cast them on me, because I don't want you to walk around pressurized all the time. This is a heavy burden. This is why some of you can sleep eight hours and get up, and within an hour you're exhausted because your mind was carrying a burden all night long. This is why some of you are like, man, I'm exhausted at the end of every week, and I'm running and I'm trying, Pastor, but you're swinging a heavy, pressurized problem as well. I'm just suggesting life is better when we learn to cast our anxieties and our worries on him. There have been times in my Christian life I've been a lot better at this, and there's been times in my Christian life I've struggled with this a little bit more. But man, after 20 years of following Christ, I'm better. I'm better. And I'm like, God, I've learned if you don't want it, it's not going to happen anyway. I'm going to just throw it. I'm going to trust. I'm going to care. I'm going to learn to just let go a little bit more and a little bit longer because life is no fun when I'm under pressure. When I want to play with my kids and I'm, it's no fun. It's no fun. John 16, Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. That's not very exciting to hear, is it? 
Jesus is being straight with us. He's being honest with us. Hey, guys, in this world, you're going to have problems. There's stress. There's anxiety. There's the realities of the world. And if he left us in that spot, that would be a little discouraging. But then he says, take heart. I've overcome the world. In other words, everything that's going to face you and I, Christ has already faced and defeated it for us. He's already showed up to the ring of life and won. And he's like, you're going to have problems, but when you do, when you face them, take heart because I've overcome the world. Let me remind us of three things really quick that all Christians face. All Christians are going to have problems from these three things. Number one, the devil. Number one, the devil. Not everything is spiritual warfare. You can't blame your bad credit on the devil. you got to stop swiping visas sometimes. Okay, there are some things that we have to do, okay? But, but there are some things that are spiritual warfare. And one thing I know about the enemy is that he is the, a liar and the father of all lies, and he never stops lying. I don't have to listen to him. We have authority over him, but he never shuts up. And he won't shut up until you and I get to heaven. And that'll be a good day. No more lies. He's constantly lying to humanity. For every one truth, he seems to make up 99 lies. And he's been lying a lot longer than you and I have been able to discern God's word and his lies. We're young in this church. The enemy's been around for a long time. We're young. We got 10 years, 5 years, 20 years experience. It's still nothing compared to the amount of lies that he's told. He will try to create problems in our life with a lie. Number two, our flesh, our carnal nature. Yes, we're born again. Yes, you're made new. Your sins are forgiven. Your shame has been removed. Your future's bright. God's on the inside, but you also have a flesh. And your flesh and your fallen nature wants what it wants when it wants it. And the Bible says you got to take the Holy Spirit and the Spirit, and you got to kill the flesh. And in the flesh, if it's submitted to the Spirit, you're going to be okay. But you let the flesh get the upper hand, and it is a struggle. And it will create problems. It'll create messes. It'll create pains. It'll create things that God never intended because you have a flesh and a fallen nature. And that will not leave you until you go to heaven. And that's okay. That's a good day. It'll be easy to follow God in heaven. It really will. It'll be a lot easier to follow him there than it is here. Why? Because I have a flesh and the enemy never stops lying to me. Number three, the world. The world's system. We live in a world that doesn't make following God easy. Wouldn't it be great if every minute of your day was full of kindness, love, and encouragement and support to follow God? How many of you know that is not the present state of reality in South Florida, right? Or anywhere in the world. It's hard. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to love. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to be honest. It's hard. It's the world's system full of people that don't know God, not following God, not full of his love. It's a challenge. And these three things will create problems. And Jesus is saying, in this life, you are going to have trouble. 
We sometimes as preachers do people a disservice when we say, hey, follow God and everything's going to go well. You know, everything is a blessing. Everything is not a blessing. Some things are hard. And God is with you, but it's not always easy. And it's not always good. And it's not always fun. And it's not all claps and hallelujahs. Some things are difficult. Just because you're going through a storm doesn't mean Jesus isn't with you. Remember the disciples in the boat? They were in a storm. God is still with them. Another thing I've learned, just because God is present doesn't mean a storm won't show up. God, you're with me. Why do I have a storm? Why do I have a problem? You're here. God will allow some storms in your life. He can deliver you right away. He can let you sit in it for a while to learn a lesson. He can grow you beyond it. There's a lot of different things he'll do with the storm, but just because you're rolling with Jesus doesn't mean you won't have a storm pop up from time to time. I like what one pastor said. He goes, you're either getting out of a problem, you're in a problem, or you're about to be in a problem. <laughs> it's not really encouraging, but I was like, there's a truth to that. There, there's an essence in this life. I will face pressure. I will be under pressure. And I've got to learn what to do with my anxieties and my stressors and my worries when they come casting all your cares, anxieties, concern once and for all on him. Why? Because he cares for you with deepest, deepest affection. Now, Steph Curry was named the MVP. I think he started almost every game that season. He averaged about 25, 26 points. Obviously, phenomenal player. Phenomenal shooter. I'm always amazed. You ever watch videos of him just draining shot after shot in practice? It's really incredible to watch. He's kind of a household name, I think, at this point, right? Most people know the name Steph Curry. If you follow basketball at all, you definitely are aware of him. You know him. But a less known player is Damian Lee. And you may not have heard of him before. Maybe you have if you're a big fan. But probably a less known name is Damian. And he's actually the brother-in-law of Steph Curry. It's kind of a fun fact. And in 2022, he was on the Golden State Warriors, and he only started five games. He set the bench a lot. He did, had a lot less playtime than Steph. Only started five games. Averaged, you know, just a few points kind of per game. Now I think he plays for the Suns. But not the MVP that Steph is. Not quite the caliber that Steph is. But he was on the team when they won the championship. I have a picture here of Steph presenting him the ring. He's got his, I think, his son in his arms there and got the ring. And Steph presents him with this beautiful, massive, gorgeous ring. Guys, this is a picture of what Christ has done for us. You and I, in life, we might sit the bench a few times. We don't have the stats that he has. We don't have the capabilities, the capacity, the power that Jesus has. We're not the MVP of Christianity. We don't have all the power or the authority or the sovereignty, but we're on the team. We are on the team. I might sit the bench. I may not produce the same level of stats, but Christ is my MVP. I am on the team. I've got the jersey, and he presents me with a crown. His victory is my victory because I'm on the team. Steph's victory is Damien's victory because he's on the team. 
And I would imagine there were a few moments when they were playing where Steph was like, bro, pass me the ball. I'm open. Pass me the ball. Why would he say that? Because Steph knows what to do with the ball. Why would Jesus ask for your problem? Because he knows what to do with your problem. Why would he ask for your anxiety? Because he knows how to defeat anxiety. Why would he ask for your stressor? Because he's already overcome your stressor. Why would Jesus say, pass me the ball in your life? Because he knows what to do with it. He knows how to face it. He knows how to defeat it, and he knows how to win. It's easy for us to forget as we go through week to week that we serve a Jesus who can't lose. God does not know how to lose. And you might have gone from loss to loss to loss to loss, but you have someone on the team who knows how to win. And a lot of it, guys, is just you and I deciding I'm going to follow him. And if he wants me on the bench, I'll be on the bench. If he wants me on the court, I'll be on the court. If he wants me to pass, I'll do it. Rebound, I'll do it. Shoot, I'll do it. I'm going to follow him. A lot of success in the Christian life is surrendering. Because it's not a power thing, it's your heart thing. God won't manipulate you. He won't control you. He won't force you. But he will invite you. And he'll tell you what to do with your problems. And you decide, do I want to carry this around all day long? And do I just want to, you know, everybody in my life? Or am I going to let them have it? And I'm going to trust them. Any problem you and I face is an opportunity to trust Jesus. Pastor, but it didn't change in two weeks. And it may not. Maybe not. Maybe he lets you sit in that thing for a year. Maybe just to teach you that thing can't defeat you. He'll just let you sit in there for a little bit. I had one problem in my life. It was 2000, I think, seven, 2008. We started a ministry. I think I've talked about it before. If you've been around for a while, you've heard me talk about this before. And Man, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was excited. I was passionate, but I was not very smart. And how else do you get smart in your 20s unless you try some things and fail, right? So you're like, yo, pastor, I tried and failed. That's good. Now you learned what didn't work. Keep going, right? Like, keep going. And we had problems, man. Nothing was going right. Nothing was going right. And I sat in that problem for a whole year. But you know what? After that year, I got a whole lot stronger in here and up here because I realized I struggled for a whole year and I'm still here. Sometimes we need to learn that, man, even though we're in the ring and we're getting punched, God's power is still able to make you stand. And you can look back and be like, man, I was hit here and I was tripped here and I was this here and slapped here, but I'm still here. Y'all, it's mid-May of 2023 and everything the enemy's ever tried to do in your life and you're still here declaring the goodness of God. And that ought to preach to your heart. That ought to say something to your soul. Some of the best messages I've ever preached, I preached to myself. I, I got to close. It's 11 o'clock. I got to wind down. But it's hard for me to talk about problems and not talk about David and Goliath at least for five minutes because there's so much here. Take some notes in the last few minutes. Here we go. Okay. Goliath showed up. And what does he start doing? He starts talking trash. He starts intimidating the army of Israel, okay? Your problem will preach to you. Your problem will talk to you. Your problem will mess with you. Your problem won't leave you alone. Your problem is coming for you. 
It's just this. It's just going to talk trash to you. The army of Israel, all these mighty men, strong men, guys loaded down with swords and spears, what did, what did they do wrong in this moment? They listened to the problem. They listened to the problem. What did David fundamentally do different? He listened to his God. He listened to his God. Because one of the things God is not telling you, God is not telling you it's all over, just give up. I can't find that anywhere in the Bible when God interacts with his kids. Could you imagine me going up to my son at six years old? Well, just quit right now. Don't try anything new, buddy. It's all worthless. Your life is worthless. Just give up. Be a terrible father. God is a better father to me than I am to my son. What am I always telling my son? Hey, good job, buddy. Good try. You'll get it next time. Keep going. I mean, God is an encouraging God. God is a God who gives courage. God is a God of victory, not defeat. I don't see God anywhere telling his kids, well, just quit. It's too late. Forget it. I don't, you know, get away. <laughs> I just don't see that. I don't see that in the ministry of Jesus. He's always picking people up, man, everywhere he goes. So David listened to his God. Everybody else listened to the problem. David listened to his God. And when the problem talked to David, David started talking to the problem. He faced the problem. That's my first point. Some problems you just have to face, even if that means in your heart and in your mind, you know. There's this old pastor, and he, he used to say, he goes, I've got the devil on the run. The problem is he's chasing me, and I'm running. It's like, well, that's not what we really want here with this problem, right? We want to we face the problem, even if that's internally. What does God's word say about my Goliath? What is God saying about the giant shouting at me and facing me? I don't want to hear what the giant is telling me. I want to hear what God is telling me. What does God say right now? Second thing I think David did so well is he reminded himself of past victories. If you need some courage today to face your problem and to depressurize, remind yourself of all the times God came through in the past. It'll start strengthening your faith. When David is talking to Saul, he said, hey, I remember the bear and the lion, and God anointed me to defeat them. And he started figuring out in his life, God uses me to stop things and to protect things. And to, I killed the lion. I killed the bear because I protected my sheep. These are God's people. These are God's sheep. This giant is going to be just like this lion and just like this bear. Where did he get that courage from? He went back in his past and he saw where God came through for him. And it gave him courage to face the present problem. How do you and I get courage to face present problems? We start rehearsing past victories. And just let that sit in your soul. Look what God has done. Look what God has done. Look what God has done. And then... I think number three, what he did, he stayed with how God chose to use him. Sometimes as believers, we try to leave the ways and the lanes that God has called us, anointed us, and wants to use us. And we get out of that a little bit and we struggle. I'm always amazed. A shark is terrifying in the water. <laughs> terrifying. You know, if I see a shark in the water, I'm like, <laughs> right, you know, I'm breathing a little bit more. It's, it's a little unnerving, okay? They're pretty helpless on land. They're pretty helpless on land. Even if you put a great white right out there, they're flopping around. We'll be like, look at that. You'd put it on your Instagram, but we're not too scared. Why? Because you can stay away. You can run away. You can create distance underwater. That thing is like a missile. You know, a lion on the land is terrifying. In the water, it's a lot more helpless. You know, God, God has created you. He's called you. He's made you. When you and I stay in the environments and the ways and the things that God's created us for, you are a lot more effective. And David realized, Saul, I can't wear your armor 
I can't wear your helmet. I can't carry your sword. I can't carry your spear. But this is how God uses me. For some reason, I pick up this sling and I don't miss. I'm just good at it. And this is what God wants to do. And he recognized how God wanted to defeat the problem. If you can start recognizing what problems God wants to defeat in your life and how to recognize how to defeat them, man, you are on your way to something right now. You know, I'll tell you, when I was 17 years old, I got saved. I did a public speaking kind of thing in my class. It was an English project. And I taught everybody how to change a tire. And I left that moment of speaking to my class feeling more alive than I'd ever felt in my life. And I went away being like, God, I think I want to talk. I think I want to just give talks for a living. This is before I felt called to ministry or anything. I just, I just think I'm supposed to use my voice and talk. And this is what you're going to do in my life. I don't know. You know what? And I have watched God use that little gift over 20 years to overcome problem after problem after problem after problem after problem. I, I can't even explain it. How does God want to use you? If you're in your 20s and you don't know, search for God. This is a great time to be with God because before David ever faced Goliath, what was he doing in the wilderness? He's singing and worshiping and getting to know God. See, when you win private battles, you can win public battles. And if you don't show up for the private battle of getting to know God and giving your heart and surrendering it to God, you're not going to have courage for the public battles. Amen? Let me pray for you. hope you got something out of today. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, I thank you today that we can all cast our cares on you, our worries, our anxieties, our problems, our hurts, our pains, because you care for us and you watch over us very carefully. Lord, I pray you heal hearts. I pray you depressurize today. I pray you help others throw those anxieties on you so they could be who you created them to be, and they could show up for their loved ones as they want to. Thank you, Lord, for helping us all. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.